that yes, we have high taxes. Yes, you know, we have to build more affordable housing, but there are so many great things here on Long Island to attract other people here, and we need to promote that. That is H-I-A-L-I President and CEO Terry Alisi Miselli accentuating the positives and minimizing the negatives of doing business on Long Island. The gist of our engaging conversation today on Spark, the Innovate Long Island podcast. Let's have a listen. This is Spark, the Innovate Long Island podcast, featuring up-close conversations with the inventors, investors, executives, and entrepreneurs fueling the dynamic Long Island innovation economy. Spark is a production of Innovate Long Island, the home of exceptional thought in Nassau and Suffolk and beyond. Today's episode is made possible by the generous support of Stony Brook-based Thermolift, where brilliant technology and singular focus are creating the future of clean energy. As the face and voice of one of Long Island's most powerful economic engines, Terry Alisi Maselli occupies a prominent spot in the Long Island zeitgeist and plays a critical role in the island's ever-evolving quest for socioeconomic greatness. Based in one of the largest industrial parks in the United States, the HIALI, formerly the Hobhog Industrial Association of Long Island, has spent more than four decades promoting strategic partnerships, arranging targeted networking events, sharing information, and advocating for regional businesses at every level of government. Terry, who was managing director of the premier corporate education organization, Dale Carnegie Training, for more than 18 years before joining the HIALI, has been pulling strings at the association as president since 2004, leading the vast industrial park and its parent organization through significant changes and headfirst into the digital age. Now, with the pandemic lingering, the national economy teetering on the brink, and Long Island, as always, smack dab in the middle of economic issues ranging from terrifying to very encouraging, the HIALI is enjoying a more prominent role than ever. And we are extremely grateful to its head honcho for sparing a few minutes to tell us all about it. Terry, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much, Greg. And with an introduction like that, I feel a lot of pressure on me. Pressure? No, no, no. The pressure's all on me because I'm talking to one of the greats of the Long Island innovation economy, which is oh, a joy you. for me and a, and uh, definitely an educational treat for the audience. So, um, so let me ask you this: seventeen years now at the uh, HIALI, uh, what do you know now that you didn't know then? Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. So when you uh, when you talked about my my bio in particular, um, I was on the board of directors of the HIALI probably for about eight years before I took over as president and CEO in 2004. And as I came into this role, I thought to myself, well, this will be an easy transition, right? Because I know a lot more about the organization than most do just from a board perspective. And what I found out is what, what most, I think, CEOs find out is that you don't know what you don't know, right, until you sit in the seat. And it's been a glorious and wild ride because, you know, we're, we're essentially one of the recognized voices for Long Island business and really have 
you know, our culture is all about helping business, whether it's small business and the 90,000 small businesses on Long Island or large business. So there was a lot to learn. There was a lot to learn. And I think the biggest thing was understanding how absolutely diverse the Long Island economy is and some of the great products and services that the Long Island economy has. It really surprised me, although I've worked on Long Island my whole career. That's interesting you mentioned that because, you know, Long Island competes with a lot of other regions as a region. Um, so how do you handle that in a region that has more than one identity? I mean, you know, Albany has tried to position Long Island as a sort of biotech corridor, and it, it is certainly that. Uh, but we also have this sort of leftover aerospace component from back in the day with a lot of supply chain companies still here. Uh, some people are trying to get Long Island to be a hub in the uh, production of uh, in the space race. Uh, looking back at that aerospace uh, supply chain and saying, we could still do that as the new space race, the space tourism, things like that. Um, there's so many different uh, major league identities here. So how does Long Island compete as a region? You know, when, I, when we meet with um, particularly companies who want to come into the Long Island Innovation Park at Hop Hog, but, but into Long Island, you know, in general, you know, one of the things I always talk about is it being the epicenter of our economic future because we are surrounded by places like Stony Brook and BNL and Cold Spring Harbor and all the other major universities. So what happens is it brings such a robust educated talent pool to employers. I mean, that there is a major opportunity there, I think. You know, we're close in proximity to New York City. there Because of the industrial diversity, I think between Nassau and Suffolk, I think that's a real advantage. Um, you know, and many of those industrial areas like this one in the park are very close to major highways. They're close to major railways. So transportation becomes that much easier. So I think we have a lot to offer other areas. And it's one of the things that we try to, and I try to, when I meet with other business leaders, remind them that yes, we have high taxes. Yes. You know, we have to build more affordable housing, but there are so many great things here on Long Island to attract other people here. And we need to promote that. Uh, so what exactly is the, uh, the association's role? Is it to get out in front of regional business development or is it to stay out of the way or is it somewhere in between? Yeah, I think it's somewhere in between. I mean, um, certainly we've led the way in several areas in terms of um, leading regional development. But it also is, um, you know, we do a lot of surveys with our members, Greg. So one of the things they've told us through our recent legislative survey is they've told us three things. Number one is the number one challenge business owners have on Long Island is being what they feel is strangulated by business regulation. So it is helping everyone get out of their way. These are entrepreneurs know full well what they're doing, who need the support of what's happening on Long Island. And that's not only trade organizations, but that's government agencies and, you know, anything from getting a permit and anything in between. So we attempt to really advocate for a lot of that. I think um, this Long Island Innovation Park at Hop Hog, um, you know, we probably about 
I guess it was about four years ago, ventured into looking at its economic output and looking at with our partners at Stony Brook and the Long Island Regional Planning Council and the Suffolk Industrial Development Agency, looking at a sustainability study for the park. Mm -hmm. And um, again, we're leading that in development because of the types of industries that are in this park. Now, that study of the park, I believe it was 2019 and involved you guys, obviously, uh, Suffolk County, Stony Brook University, and the Regional Plan Association, I believe. Um, and it talked about you know growth in the park, as you mentioned. What was the big takeaway? Was there a one thing or was there a, a, a group of things that stood out as more important moving forward? Yeah, I mean... Um I mean, I think several things have come out of it and continue to come out of it. Number one is, you know, when you drive this park, if you're familiar with it, it's only 11 square miles. It's about 1,400 acres. So it's, it's extremely dense and it has about 1,300 companies in it and 55,000 employees that work here. Very evident, by the way, when you have to get into and out of the park, right? With all yeah. that. Um, but we had no idea of the economic uh, you know, impact. So what we found out through the study is, you know, it represents 4 billion in payroll, 14 billion in economic output, and about one in 20 jobs on Long Island are dependent on this park. So it is a major, major economic engine. Um, you know, the RPA also told us that about 58% of the industries are what are called tradable industries, which means they either export or bring money into Long Island for the small businesses and the downtowns, for the um, nail salons and the hair salons and the people, restaurants who really need that business. So, you know, we know that just based on what's going on in this park, it's an economic hub that if we can help these people grow and these companies to grow in this park, it will grow Long Island, you know, in general. So it's a major economic engine. It's helped us get a lot more money for the park with stats like that. Um, and we're working on some, you know, phenomenal projects in the park as well. Is there room for growth there? Is there any elbow room left? Can, can you bring in more companies or can the companies that are there expand? We can. I mean, you know, there's no ne necessarily, there's no buildable land, but there are vacant buildings. So uh, if you haven't heard, Amazon is coming in. They just signed a lease last week. They're, they're building a $63,000 distribution center here in the park, which is great news based on what happened last year. Um, and, you know, company, companies like that are constantly knocking at our door to really find out what the opportunity is. I, you know, I think there's several opportunities for growth. So, you know, number one is we need to really work on strengthening training and workforce development in here because we have a lot of manufacturers. You alluded to before that, you know, years ago, I don't know about you, but many of us grew up on a block where everybody worked for Grumman, right? Mm. The aerospace industry was in its heyday. Now we look at what's called advanced manufacturing. And the difference is if you were to take those 5 million people that were displaced years ago that worked in manufacturing and put them back into jobs right now, they would never be able to make it because of STEM, because of robotics, because it's really advanced manufacturing. So many of those advanced, advanced manufacturers are in the park. 
all the biopharma companies, mm-hmm. um, nutraceutical companies are in the park and they are really challenged with getting employees. So we're working on getting a workforce training center in here right now. We're working with Suffolk County to do that. We're also working on transportation and helping transportation out in the park. Workforce development is a good place to ask about your, I should say the association's relationship with government. Uh, And more importantly, what is the role of government in your view regarding business development should should government be in the business of business development yeah well, or is it is it in the business uh, enough yeah i so there is no doubt in my mind what we've seen is you know businesses cannot exist without people who advocate for them and there are many politicians and dignitaries who do that quite well we have relationships with them and just go to bat, not only, not only for us, but the business community. So, And there are others that need to be, quite frankly, Greg, a lot more involved in it. Um, I can tell you that you know when we work with dignitaries, particularly on Long Island and also in the state, we do a lot of work with the governor right now, um, the good news, I think, is that, you know, we're not looking at the left and the right. We're looking at really answering the question, what's the right thing to do for the Long Island business community? And that's really where we all should be, right? doesn't matter what party we're from. It, it matters. It shouldn't that- matter. Right. It shouldn't matter. Absolutely. I'll give you a quick example that I think um, is a template for working with government. So when COVID hit and the PPP funds came out, one of the things that happened early on is 501c6 organizations who are not traditional nonprofits. So they are trade associations. They are the HIALI, they are Discover Long Island, they are Libby, they are the LIA, all the business, the trade groups mm-hmm. were not able to get funds. And for many of us, our business stopped on March 19th, stopped. Our revenue just stopped, came to a halt. So we worked with government, we worked with uh, Lee Zeldin, we worked with the state to really work on getting funds for 501c6s, and we were quite successful with it, but it was really a collaborative effort. And it started with Suffolk County and Nassau County, and then it went to the state, and it worked its way up the ladder. So, you know, sometimes things can really work out well. Right. Well, you when know. you say, let me just back up for one second. When you say couldn't get funds, you don't simply mean uh, grants and stuff from the government. You're talking about what collecting rent from businesses in the industrial park. No, no, no. I'm talking about PP, the PPP funds themselves that come from the oh, I see. Okay. SBA. But that was another challenge that you bring up. Absolutely. You know, we don't collect the actual rent because these buildings in this park are solely owned by business owners. But Mm -hmm. real estate today, as you probably know, is taken a major hit in terms of rent because, um, you know, I mean, the building we're in right now is a multi-suite building and there's only two tenants in it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the gentleman who owns this building is suffering. And, and we've seen that all over, you know, based on COVID, definitely. Hmm. How, how do you overcome that at, at a time when commercial space is readily available, for sure, uh, and hard to fill in a lot of places? How do you fill it in Hopog? 
Yeah. Well, you know, I think the good news is that we haven't necessarily seen, we've seen a lot of movement in the area. So I'm, I was really talking more about people who are existing in their rent right now. But in terms of, for example, a lot of the companies that were in New York City, a lot of them are moving out to Long Island. Hmm. So we're seeing a lot of good movement in terms of at least companies coming out here and saying, gee, we wanted to take space out here. Hmm. So it's really worked to our advantage, quite frankly, um, with companies moving into the park. That's an interesting side effect of the pandemic. Um, now, during uh, COVID, I know your organization, like so many others, pivoted to virtual events. Um, now you're working in more hybrid events, which combine in-person and virtual attendance. Um, how does that work for you guys? And do you think that's sort of a permanent change? It's absolutely a permanent change. I mean, you know, again, I mentioned before that we do a lot of we get a lot of feedback from, you know, the Long Island business community and our members in particular. And we sent out early on and then it did it again about a month ago, a getting back to business survey. And one of the things that over 85% of them said is they want to get back to some form of a live event, but they also were extremely cautious, I believe, because of a lot of the information and misinformation that that's coming out about COVID and the Delta variant, right? So we knew that we had a social responsibility and that social responsibility was to give them both options. And it's worked out quite well so far. I mean, we just had a uh, business achievement awards not too long ago that we've run every year. And it was uh, one of our first hybrid events. And we had a smaller audience live, but we had a, a, a lot of people that, you know, logged on and were able to, when we live streamed it, be with us, but they were virtual. So hmm. that for us is something that will definitely stay not only throughout this year, but certainly um, well into next year. And, you know, we've been able to create um, some revenue points with it as well which I think in the long run, at least, will, will help our dues and our association out and mm -hmm. will help the Long Island community out as well. So it's, it's created into a win-win, I believe. One of your in-person events that's uh, always huge and always engaging and always fun uh, is the uh, annual trade show, the HIALI trade show. Uh, now, we're having this conversation on October 8th, and this year's show is scheduled for October 14th. So without getting into past and present tenses, uh, can you tell us how this year's show came together? Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, that survey had a lot to do with it because last year through COVID, we did have a trade show, but it was all virtual. Mm -hmm. And this year we made a conscious effort to make the pivot and do both things. So, um, you know, I'm extremely proud of this show. It's in its 33rd year. Um, you know, and other than bringing people together on a trade show floor, and really people doing business on a trade show floor, it's become a major economic forum for discussion. So, um, you know, the executive breakfast um, talks about uh, Long Island development, talks about our project in the Long Island Innovation Park at Hop Hog. Mm -hmm. We're also doing work right now with um, the town of Islip and the airport to look at how to get more nonstop flights there in the airport. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll be talking with TriTech um, about 
um, their projects, you know, Ronkonkoma Hub, Patchogue. So talking about projects of regional significance, which is very, very important as we move out of COVID and as we move um, through Long Island, you know, to keep this island alive. Um, so, you know, the show um, this year, again, is a hybrid also. I mean, most of it is live, but that executive breakfast was live streamed. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you look at it, it'll be, um, it's a smaller show, at least in volume, but it is, it, it's critical. It's critical to get people back together. Who's speaking at that executive breakfast this year? So, you know, those, those people that, um, that identify those projects. So we have Joe Campolo, who is our Long Island Innovation Park at Hop Hog chair. We'll be talking about our projects. We have Kelly Coughlin from TriTech. We have a gentleman from Reckler Equities. And we have Scott Berman from Ingle Berman. And they are the, the group that's doing that very progressive project right now in Long Beach with the 462 apartments. So, again, these are major players on Long Island. These are people who are making a difference in terms of um, the projects that they're delivering. You also mentioned before uh, Long Island MacArthur Airport. Uh, how big a deal is it to Long Island socioeconomics to get more flights in and out of that airport? Oh, it's a, it's a huge deal. I mean, you know, again, the survey that we did, we looked at about 500 nuclear businesses and we asked them, how frequently do you do use the airport right now just for business travel? And about 24% of them said they use it consistently when we went back to them and said, if they were able to add a lot more nonstop flights, make it more convenient for you, mm -hmm. how would that change? And their response went up to a hundred percent. They undoubtedly said they would use that airport as the airport of choice. And, you know, we looked at it from, um, economic standpoint and it would add another like 4.4 you know billions of dollars into the airport if people you know had more variety so it's the thing to do it's the thing to do yeah this has been an ongoing issue uh trying to get airlines to get more flights in and out of there what is the holdup? up what, what do you hear what is the pushback from the carriers themselves you you mentioned potential for billions more in uh, revenues for the airport and tons more uh, usage by local businesses and of course i'm sure private travelers as well um what seems to be the holdup? Yeah. I mean, you know, we've talked to the commissioner of uh, the airport, Shelly LaRose, about that. And one of the things that she said to us is it's very important when an airline looks at, into going into an airport, particularly a new airport that they might not have been in, um, they look for what obviously the potential will be in revenue. That's a given, right? Because they have to fill that airline. And just there's been a disconnect at least up until this point with what I just said to you before, which is really getting the business organizations involved in stepping up to the plate and, and making a commitment and saying, Hey, if you have more nonstop flights, yes, this is what we're going to do. What we were able to do through that survey is get over 170 logos of support from businesses on Long Island. They will now, Shelly and her team will now go and use that, mm -hmm. not only to attract new airlines, but to have conversations about the existing airlines adding more opportunity. Again, these airlines need to see that people are going to fill those seats. 
So I think we're moving closer towards that. My hope is we're moving closer towards that. Well, that would certainly be a major step forward for Long Island. Um, in addition to your uh, events going uh, virtual or hybrid, uh, you guys have taken some other steps technologically. I know you recently uh, added uh, a new podcast. Yes, we have. I mean, we've, um, you know, it. I think COVID and this pandemic in particular has taught people a lot, right? That technology is here to stay, that we need to really push ourselves to look at different mediums to really get our message out there. So for us, we did two things with those podcasts. Number one is we have what are called CEO forums mm-hmm. where we highlight prominent CEOs on Long Island and we use that content to create initial podcasts. And then I do a, a Facebook Live business steps up that started through COVID, highlighting businesses about what they've done different and how they've pivoted. And we've turned them into podcasts. So we've had a lot of fun with it. And, um, you know, we've just begun it, but it's really gotten some sea legs, which is wonderful. We've also mm-hmm. created a, what's called a Long Island virtual marketplace which will complement our regular membership. So our regular membership, people can obviously come to events live, but this Long Island Marketplace Virtual is a vehicle that they can purchase where they are actually putting their business up on um, a, a virtual platform for everybody to see. So it'll be really cool. I'm very excited about it. Um, and I, and I think it'll really help companies really have a different dimension to what we do and, and how we promote them as well. Membership is good. Numbers are strong. Yes, absolutely. I mean, initially through COVID, you know, we, we represent a lot of small businesses. So as I said to you before, you know, there are what 90,000 of them on Long Island. Um, and many of them were very hard hit. Many of them were very proud of because they made it through COVID And then some of them didn't. So initially we took a hit, but as we stayed very close to our members, they were saying, you know, when we can, we come, we'll, you know, we'll come back obviously and pay membership dues. And they've done that. They've absolutely done that. So what else can we look forward to, Terry? Uh, What gets the uh, HIALI president excited these days? Yeah, I have to tell you, it all gets me excited. I know that sounds funny, but, you know, we really didn't. What I'm most proud of is we absolutely did not skip a beat through this pandemic. In fact, we used it to our advantage to create some really innovative things and look at the processes that we have and say, gee, what do we need to do better, different, more effective, right? And that's how you pivot quickly. That's how you pivot really quickly. So, you know, we made a conscious effort early on to be a really a one-stop shop for the business community and, and push out things from the governor and push out things from the Suffolk County task force, COVID task force mm. of, of important information. So we continue to do that, but I'm really looking forward to next year because I think there's just a new energy on Long Island and a new breath on Long Island, and we have a lot of new offerings. So I'm real excited about it. Terry, this is great stuff, and uh, you truly are an innovative leader. Uh, I can't thank you enough for sharing all of this. Um, And before I let you go, it's time to play our little game, wherein the Spark podcast audience gets to peek behind the curtain, so to speak, and uh, get a glimpse at the human side of our guests. Uh, So I have my two cards here. 
marked word association and which is your favorite and why. And you get to pick which game we're going to play. So what are we playing today, Terry? Oh, my God. The pressure. The pressure. <laughs> um, I, I'll choose which is my favorite. Which is your favorite and why? All right, here we go. I look into the mind of Terry Elise Maselli. Uh, we'll start with an easy one. What is your favorite movie? Uh, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. All right. Uh, how about your favorite book? Uh, my favorite business book is Who Moved My Cheese? I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's all about pivoting and just embracing change. I love it. That sounds like a good book to read in this day and age for sure. Um, what is your favorite part of the uh, HIALI trade show? Uh, absolutely that executive breakfast that talks about development. Um, you know, the other thing is just seeing people that we haven't seen in so long, even year after year, that come and visit us at the show. Uh, what is your favorite hop hog lunch spot? Uh, right now, Siempre Vivolo, I love. I oh, love that. great Italian food. Yeah, anything particular on the menu that jumps out? Um, I'm a big fish person, so anything that they have fish, I mean, it's really fresh, and it's really, you need to stop there. Great food. All right, very good. And uh, last but not least, your favorite Long Island networking organization that is not the HIALI. Ooh, that's <laughs> a rough one. There are many good ones out there, and we collaborate with all of them. I mean, I will tell you what's close to my heart is an organization called Moxie. You probably have heard it because uh, it really helps develop future um, women business leaders. So I think they're just doing some great things over there. Outstanding stuff. Uh, Terry, Alisi, Maselli, you are the best at what you do. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, thank you. And thanks for what you do, Greg. We appreciate it. She is the president of the HIALI. I am the editor over at InnovateLI.com. And this is Spark, the Innovate Long Island podcast. Sincerest thanks, as always, to Innovate LI president Marlene McDonald, our beloved season two sponsor, Thermolift, where the future of clean energy is happening right now. Our intrepid man in the chair, Arthur Germain, and all the brilliant professionals over at Brand Telling and Brand Storycasting. And of course, thank you, dear listeners, for your minds, your ears, and your time. We'll be back at you again next week. And until then, stay happy and stay healthy. You've been listening to Spark, the Innovate Long Island podcast with host Gregory Zeller. To recommend a guest, please contact us at editor at innovateli.com. And to learn how you can become a frontline leader in carbon reduction, please visit our sponsor, Thermolift, at thermoliftenergy.com, where the future of clean energy is happening right now. 